Typically, when I begin a message, I say turning your Bibles to a particular text. But this morning, uh, their scriptures are all through the pages of the scripture. Uh, if you, any of y'all remember sword drills? Did you have sword drills in the Sunday school or youth camp where you, you had your Bible and they would say, attention, draw swords, and then they'd give a reference and you had to find it. And the first person to find it stood to their feet and read it. You know, you, boy, you were excited if you knew your Bible well enough, you know, to be able to find some of those verses. That's kind of the way it is today. I'm not going to ask you attention, draw swords, but you're welcome to flip with me through the pages of the scripture. But since I'm a kind person, I put the scriptures in your notes so that you can just stay there, read them uh, and, and focus on them. If you're watching online, there's a link where you can download the notes so that you can follow along with us as well. We're beginning a new series today. I haven't really come up with a title for the whole thing yet, but this first lesson is on the priority of knowing God. When things are uncertain in life, it is helpful to focus on what is certain. In times when you're surrounded by the unknown, it's helpful to focus on the known. You know, when you have a major life decision to make and you're not sure what to do, and there's so much unknown swirling around you, it is helpful to force yourself to focus on what you do know and then work out from there. When, when life is crashing in all around you and, and it seems like everything is falling apart, Force yourself to go back to what you know, to what is certain in your life, and work out from that way. It'll give you some peace in the midst of the chaos. The same thing applies spiritually. There are times in our walk with God when life comes crashing in, when it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? What decision am I supposed to make about this? And when that happens, focus on what you know as a child of God. More importantly, focus on whom you know as a child of God. Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. What we know is God. Who we know is God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Paul, several weeks ago, we studied Colossians 3, said, set your hearts and set your minds on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. It is the writer of the book of Hebrews saying in chapter 12, run with patience the race set before you, looking unto Jesus. It's the songwriter writing, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Or the songwriter who wrote in times like these. If you don't know that song, you ought to look it up. It's pretty timely. In times like these, he says, Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. For those of you who are watching online, I don't know when you're watching, and who knows, it may be five years from today, 
but this is July of 2021. And uh, we are continuing to be, <laughs> as a world, in uncertain times. And in the midst of uncertain times, we have a certain God. In the midst of everything that is unknown in our world, we who are followers of Christ have something that is known for sure, our God. And so as we wrapped up Colossians for the last few weeks, as I've been thinking about where to go next, it seemed like God was just nudging me in the area of, we need to spend some time focusing on him, to know him in a deeper more meaningful way. You may not be a follower of Christ. You may not be a Christian, but I encourage you to continue to watch over these next several weeks because we'll learn some things about God that may be helpful to you in your search for him. But today and next week, we're going to just kind of lay the foundation about knowing God, and then we will dig deeper into his characteristics, his quality. Who, who is God? What is God like? What is his characteristic, and we'll be spending several weeks on those. But first, I'm going to lay the foundation, and I'm calling today the priority of knowing God. The Bible has a lot to say about knowing God. And before we start getting into the verses for today's lesson, uh, I want to take a minute and talk to you about the languages in which the Bible was originally written. You may know that the Bible was not written in English. Paul did not know English. <laughs> English did not exist when the Bible was written. The Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew, which was the predominant language of those days. The New Testament, which was written in the first century, was written primarily in the Greek language, the common Greek language, that was the predominant language of the day. Over time... Those Hebrew and Greek scriptures were translated into English, and I'm glad they were, so that we can read the, the English. And I'm also grateful that God preserved enough of those manuscripts that were written in the Greek and Hebrew languages that have been discovered by archaeologists over time that we can know that the English translation that we have of the Bible is an accurate uh, translation of what the original writers wrote. And so therefore, I often do word studies. I often tell you in the Greek language this word meant, in the Hebrew language this word meant. Because when you want to see what a word in the Bible means, don't go to Webster's English Dictionary because the Bible wasn't written in English. Find the word that it was used originally and you can find there. And by the way, if you're wondering, well, then how in the world am I ever going to be able to understand the Bible? There are all kinds of tools out there online where that are numbered. They have the, the words numbered, and you can find that number and find out what that Hebrew or Greek word was and what it meant and how it was used in the first century. You don't have to know you don't have to know alpha. You don't have to know you know one Greek letter, one Hebrew letter, and you can know from the resources that are out there. And aren't you glad for technology? You can know. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars on on library books now. It's online available to you, and there are Bible study apps available to you that will tell you this word meant this. So 
Don't, don't feel like, oh, I can't do anything. No, the resources are there. you got to have the desire to find them, but the resources are there. And I'll be happy to talk to you about them after the service if you want more specifics. I tell you all that to tell you this. The main word in the Old Testament for knowing God is yada, Y-A-D-A. And it means to know God in a deep, personal way. It has to do with comprehension. It has to do with discernment. You all know there's a difference about knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. There's a lot of people who think they know God, but all they do is they know some things they heard about him. And many times they weren't accurate. But what God wants us to do is to know him. To know him the way you know a friend that you've been friends with all your life or the way you know your spouse that you've been married for many years. And you don't just know about them, you know them. And it's a word that has much more depth than just a casual acquaintance. You know, the, the person, they, they ask a young person a survey about what they believed about religion. And they said, well, yeah, I believe in God and stuff. You know, <laughs> God wants us to know him deeper than God and stuff. He, he wants us to know who he is. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about that. And, and I'm, I'm praying that it will deepen our knowledge of God so that that will deepen our worship of God and our faith in God that will give us the strength to stand on what we know in these uncertain times. So we're going to begin in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. This is the New King James translation of 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. As for you, my son Solomon, know that Yada, the God of your father, and serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of your thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Truth number one about the priority of knowing God. Knowing God comes as a result of seeking God. You will find him if you seek for him. That word in the Hebrew language means the same thing it does in the English language. It means to pursue, to follow after. But what's interesting is the Hebrew word adds another layer to it of worship. So what he is saying is, if you want to know God, you have to seek him. And seeking him has an idea of being intentional, being on purpose, and worship. And as we worship him, as we read his word, as we sing songs of praise, as we listen to songs of praise, as we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed with the goodness of God, as we seek him, we will know him. Just like with a person, you don't know them by just saying hello to them in the halls. You know them after you've pursued them, you know, and, and it's so important for us to understand the, the need of seeking God. 
knowing God isn't something that just comes along casually. He says, in another place, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. So I guess the first question we have to ask ourselves is, is there a purpose in my life that I will seek God so that I can know him? Or is my pursuit of God limited to an hour on Sunday morning? You know, or, or is my life characterized by seeking God? Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know, yada, me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. In other words, if you're going to brag, brag about knowing God. Now, I'm going to give you a minute to fill in those blanks, and then I'm going to say, don't go around brag about knowing God. Because <laughs> if you really know God, you won't be braggadocious about it. You'll be humble about it. But what Jeremiah is saying is, if you want to be known for something, don't be known because of how wise you are. Don't be known about how strong you are. Don't be known about how rich you are. Let your reputation be that you know God. Oh, my. Wouldn't that be something? If on your workplace or in your neighborhood or somewhere somebody said, I am in trouble in my life and I have got to figure out how I can get in touch with God. Can you tell me? Who around here knows God? <laughs> Who around here can I talk to about how to know God for myself? Let that be your reputation. That's what Jeremiah is saying is, you live your life in such a way so that people know you know God. That an identifying factor in your life is the knowledge of God. That somebody can say, you know, if you need somebody to pray for you, go ask them. If you're having trouble coping with life, go ask them, because they know God. Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 7. God says, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They'll be my people. I'll be their God. They'll return to me with all your heart. What that tells me is this. If you're sitting here and already this morning you're saying, you know, I don't know that I have that kind of a desire to know God. You know, I, I'm kind of content with just kind of going through the motions. There's really nothing in my life that says I'm seeking and actively pursuing God. Here's what I want to tell you. If you don't have the desire to know God, ask him to give you that desire. Because he said, I will give them a heart to know me. I think we don't understand that it's okay to ask God for help. You know, I, I, it's okay to say, God, I'm really being tempted in this area. And God, you know, I really want to give in. Would you please give me the strength to say no? You know, it's okay. God, I got to admit, I've just been kind of casual about my knowledge of you. 
and, and you know, I'm, I'm letting the preacher do all the praying for me and all the Bible study for me, and, and I'm just going to church, and that's really all I'm doing, and I, I really don't pursue you. I really don't spend any much time reading the Bible or praying or any of that kind of stuff. But, Lord, I want to know you. Would you please give me the desire to know you? And God will say, goody! <laughs> you know, he'll say, I've been hoping you would ask me to help you with that. It's okay to admit to God, I don't have the desire to know you that I should. Give me the desire, give me the heart to know you. Daniel chapter 11, and I'm going to sit on this for a couple minutes, because it's a timely word for us. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he, and he's talking about a king named Antiochus Epiphanes, shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know, Yada, their God, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The NIV says the people who know their God will firmly resist him. Now, to understand that verse, we have to understand some Jewish history. We all know, if we know much history, that the Jewish people have experienced some pretty fierce persecution through the centuries. But not much was worse than what they suffered and under Antiochus Epiphanes. If you're looking for baby names, just don't call them that. <laughs> he was a Syrian king who reigned from 175 to 164 BC. God gave Daniel a prophetic vision of what this man would be like and what his reign would be like. And Daniel goes over it in Daniel chapter 11. If you read that chapter, you will begin to understand what Israel faced under Antiochus Epiphanes. He did everything Daniel had prophesied. He ordered the Jewish sacrificial system to stop. He polluted God's temple by offering swine's flesh on the altar. He prohibited the observance of the Sabbath. He ordered all copies of the scriptures to be destroyed. He set up idols to false gods. He commanded the Jews to offer unclean sacrifices. And anybody who disobeyed him was sentenced to death. It was the Holocaust before the Holocaust. And as Daniel saw in this prophetic vision this period of intense persecution that was coming on God's people, he wondered, how are we ever able to stand against that? How will we be able to survive that kind of a king? And it is in that context that God gives him this word. Those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. And that's exactly what happened. There was a group of courageous men, you've read about them in history, maybe, called the Maccabees. They led a revolt against Antiochus Epiphanes. Against outrageous odds, God gave them success. They knew their God, they laid hold of him, and it was their sacrifice that broke the grip of Antiochus Epiphanes on Israel. It is a story of the power of people 
who know God. Now, the reason I said I'm going to sit here for a minute is because, and as you read Daniel 11, you'll begin to realize Antiochus Epiphanes is a forerunner of the Antichrist. The, the rules and things that he tried to implement are very similar to what the Antichrist is going to do when he seizes power toward the end of time. And if you study prophecy, you'll, you'll find the name Antiochus Epiphanes as a type or a forerunner of the Antichrist. And John, writing near the end of the first century, said the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. I don't think I have to tell you that 2,000 years later, the spirit of Antichrist is at work in our world. And I, I hear so many people, I mean, people who are not Christians and who are not talking to me as Pastor Ken or Chaplain Ken, they're about people, you know, you hear them say, what are we going to do? How are we going to survive this mess? What in the world is going on? And here's the answer. The people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Knowing God gives us the strength to stand for him in the midst of wickedness. The only way we're going to survive in this uncertain world is to hang on to our knowledge of God and to know him deeper and better and more seriously, to know him. How do we stand when everything around is falling apart? Know God personally, deeply, intimately, as, as more than you know your closest friend. Know him. Because those who know their God will be strong and do. I love that. That ought to encourage you. If you feel like you're about ready to give up, don't give up. Just focus on knowing God. In the midst of the uncertainty, focus on the certainty. In the midst of the unknown, focus on the known. And seek God. Pursue Him. And as you know God, He will give you His strength. Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. So no wonder, Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Knowing God should be our top priority. And those are intense words. Let us pursue the knowledge of God. And that's a form of that word yada. Let us know him. Let's pursue. Let's press on to the knowledge of God. Again, the knowledge of God is not something you accidentally acquire on your way to work. <laughs> the knowledge of God comes as a result of making the knowledge of God your top priority. It is a result of diligent effort. And if you remember when we spent two and a half years going through Proverbs, you remember Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the Holy One. It's not the word yada, but it's a cognate of the word yada. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
Knowing God brings understanding. And that word understanding means being able to discern and distinguish. And specifically, to be able to distinguish the things that matter. Oh, when I found that, <laughs> that kind of makes you sit up straight. The knowledge of God gives you the wisdom, the understanding to be able to distinguish between things that matter. How do you know which option is best? How do you know which decision to make? When you are confronted with more than one seemingly good, positive, encouraging options, which one should you take? You'll have some insight if you know God because the knowledge of him will give you that understanding. You know, mo most people that are at least trying a little bit to, to be a follower of Christ know how to choose between good and evil. But how do you choose between good, better, and best? Y'all remember Sears catalog? Uh, <laughs> boy, that was exciting when the Sears Christmas catalog came to your house. My sisters and I would go through there and we'd circle and put our initials by what we wanted for Christmas. I think by the time the three of us got done with it, everything in that book was circled by one of us. But, you know, now you got to pay however much money to get a catalog, even if they have them anymore. But... Sears used to, I don't know, they may still, if they're still in business at all, I don't even know that they're still in business, but back in the day, you could go to Sears and, and, and like if you're buying a washer or a dryer or a refrigerator, they would, they would label it, this one is good, this one is better, this one is the best. Don't you wish life had labels like that? Here's your choice. You got these three opportunities for college or you got these three opportunities for a job. This one's good. This one will be better. This one's the best. Life doesn't come with those kind of labels. But what Proverbs is saying is if you will know God, you will have the understanding to be able to, to discern the things that matter. So let's move on for a little bit now to the New Testament. The New Testament was written in the first century in the common, everyday Greek language. And it had a word similar to the Hebrew word yada for deep knowledge. It's the word gnosko. I expect you to use that in a sentence sometime this week. When you're really mad at somebody and you want to cuss at them, just say gnosko. They won't know the difference. <laughs> they won't know that you're just saying a word that means deep knowledge. It means to know absolutely. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Knowing God leads to eternal life. Ephesians chapter 1, one of Paul's incredible prayers for believers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know, the, the word here is epignosis, which comes from gnosko. You're going to learn so much. and there, There's not a test, so relax. But it, it means to have full discernment. 
He said, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can have full discernment of God. Whoa, that's kind of a staggering thought. And he goes on and he kind of explains what he means by that. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that's named in the present age and the one to come. Knowing God is an ongoing process. <laughs> One of the churches I pastored, uh, I was pastoring during the, the early days of the explosion of local, independent, charismatic churches. And there was a, a church in town, and the pastor and I were friends, and um, they were more on the charismatic side of things. And he told me one day, he said, Kent, there is actually a rumor going around town that we give out faith pills. <laughs> and he and I agreed that if there were such a thing, we would go in business together and make a lot of money. Right? There's no such thing as a faith pill. There's no such thing as knowing God in a pill. It's an ongoing process. He says, I, I want you to know this, and I want you to be enlightened, and, and I want you to have this spirit so that you can know him better. That assumes it's an ongoing process that leads to more wisdom and more revelation. You could put it this way. The more you know, the more you will know. As you know God more, you will know God more, and that will give you a desire to know him more, and you will know him more. It is an ongoing process. So the the don't get discouraged if you don't know God as well as someone else does. Just ask yourself, am I closer to him than I was a month ago, six months ago? Am I doing better in my walk with him? One of the key verses in the Bible for us about knowing God is Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, participation in his sufferings, being like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I love the Amplified's way of putting this. My determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and clearly. Are you getting the picture? Knowing God must be our top priority. Make it your goal to know God. My determined purpose is that I may know him. And again, remember that comes from seeking him, spending time with him. There's no magic pill. It's doing the stuff that every Christian knows we're supposed to do. You know, you get to know God by reading his word. You get to know him by prayer. You get to know him by worship individually and with other believers. You get to know him by spending time with him. No fancy 
you know, exotic ways, just do what we know to do, make it your top priority to know God. So in Colossians chapter 1, Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. And he prays for the same thing. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge. That's that epignosis again from Gnosko, the full discernment, fully acquainted with his will through all wisdom and understanding. And that particular word understanding means to be able to comprehend things and put them together so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Knowing God leads to pleasing God. I don't know how to please God. We'll get to know him. He says, I want you to know him. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God so that you have the discernment and the understanding to be able to comprehend how to put things together. The three most negative words in the English language, some assembly required. <laughs> I read those words, I do one of two things. I either keep on walking or I find somebody that works there and says, how much will you charge me to put it together? But uh, Don and I actually had a great success the other day. We put something together. And it was, it was simpler because the manufacturer had actually shrink-wrapped and blister-packed each thing that you needed for each step. Now, I'm used to laying out a box and here comes you know, a bag of stuff. And, you know, and then you've got to lay them down on the picture to try to figure out, well, where does this one go? No, this was step one, you need these four things. And they were in their own separate little blister pack. It was great. And we were able to, able to put it together. Now, about passed out, but we were able to do it, you know, because through the manufacturing packaging it so well, we were able to have the comprehension to be able to put it together. Now, again... Don't you wish life came with, with a blister pack? This is Monday. Here's what you're going to need today. And here's where they go. No, but knowing God gives you that. Knowing God gives you the ability to comprehend how to put things together, how to make life work. And he says, when you do that, you will please him. Wow. Wow. You know, it does not do God's heart good when he sees his children mess up because we haven't taken the time to talk to him about something. What God, what does God's heart good is when he sees us putting into principle the practices and the truths that we've learned by spending time with him. And he says, look at it. They got it. They got it. They saw how that works. And it pleases him. Now, if you want to know what's going on in our world today, it's like what Jeremiah says. This reference is not in your notes. Not, jot down Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 3. God says they go from one sin to another. They do not acknowledge, and it's the Hebrew word yada, me. They don't know me. And when they don't know me, 
They just go from one sin to another. Don't ever be surprised when evil people act in an evil way. Don't be surprised when people who are without Christ live like they don't know Christ. So it's no wonder that Hosea chapter 6 says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And you read the Old Testament, there's all kinds of stuff in there about all the different offerings. God said, I would rather you know me. I would rather that you get beyond ritual and routine. I want you to know me. And again, it is my goal over these next few weeks with God's help to kind of unpackage who God is, what he has revealed to us about himself, it, it, we're going to eventually be studying what the theologians call the attributes of God, his characteristics, who he is. What do we mean when we say that God has all power? What do we mean when we say God knows everything? What do we mean when we say some of these things? But the challenge today, the foundational truth today, is knowing God must be our top priority. And if we don't have that desire, ask him for it. My determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving, recognizing, understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. I encourage you maybe memorize that. It's Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified Version. My determined purpose is to know God. In the midst of the uncertainty of this life, we have a certain God. And when all around our soul gives way, he then is our hope and stay. Get to know him better. Not so that you can win a Bible trivia quiz, but so that you can know him and be strong in these challenging days. Father, thank you that you want to be known of us. I think sometimes we, we think that you kind of like being up there mysterious and all other and, and us never really being able to understand you. And we're well aware that we will never be able to fully comprehend you because then you wouldn't be God. But Lord, there's so much of yourself that you have revealed that as we get to know you, it's easier for us to trust you in the things we don't know about. So, Lord, I pray that, that in these coming weeks you would deepen within us the knowledge of God and that you would give us a heart to pursue knowing you because that's the key to making it successfully in these uncertain times. Lord, may people know us, not because we're bragging about you, but may people who know us know that we know you so that we can be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, so that we can be a resource for people who are trying to make their way in the muddled <laughs> mess of their lives. And they know if I can get to them, they can tell me more about God. May that be true of us, Father. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen.
God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for tuning in. You're dismissed.